Our scripture this morning will come from 1 John, 1 John, chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. So that's the little books toward the back of the Bible. 1 John, chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. where John writes. We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, Let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. And we receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey His commandments and do what He pleases. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. All who obey His commandments abide in Him, and He abides in them. And by this we know that He abides in us, by the Spirit that He has given us. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we are so grateful for your love and your grace. And God, we're grateful for the privilege of studying your holy word together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Last Sunday, I shared with you that one of the songs I fell in love with when I was growing up was the song by Ronnie Millsap, What a Difference You've Made in My Life. And one of the reasons I fell in love with that song was I realized when you applied it to the church, when you applied it to our faith, to our God, it it becomes a powerful song. What a difference you've made in my life. What a difference you've made in my life. Or the second verse, what a, what a change you have made in my heart. What a change you have made in my heart. You've replaced all the broken parts. What a change you've made in my heart. Love to me was just a word in a song that had been way overused. But now I've joined in the singing because you've shown me love's true meaning. That's why I want to spread the news of what a difference you've made in my life. It's, it's a powerful, beautiful song, and John and John's Gospel and the Gospel of John as well as this, these writings of John here that we're looking at today, John shows us that God's love makes this amazing difference in our lives. We love God, why? Because He first loved us. And that word love is just a word in a song that's been way overused because in English, we only have one word for love. And we just kind of toss it around however. I mean, 
at one o'clock, I'm hoping to be able to say, I love to watch the Panthers play. I'm hoping that around four o'clock, I'm saying, I love to watch the Panthers play. Or, I, you know, I, I love Italian food, or I love my wife, and I love my kids. Now, all that love is not equal. It's not equal. <laughs> I want you to know. In the Greek, there are a variety of words for love. Eros, that romantic kind of love. There's philia, or philia, some say that it's brotherly love. You get the, that's how we get the name Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It comes from that, that word. But the word of love that, that John uses throughout his gospel and the writings here, it's, it's neither one of those. It's agape. It's a deeper kind of love. It's deeper than brotherly love, friendship love, even romantic love. It's a powerful kind of love that God offers to us. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that, that loves us regardless. And I share with you last week as we were looking at this, unconditional love does not necessarily mean unconditional approval. I've told my kids, there is nothing that you can do to keep me from loving you. I will always love you. No matter what you do, I will always love you. My love is unconditional. That does not mean because you're my kid and because I love you unconditionally, you can do whatever you want to do and I'll be okay with it. It does not mean that. But it means I love you regardless because we belong together. You're part of me. And I will always love you. Agape is unmerited love. It's a gift. Love is not something that we earn. It's a precious gift. When I... When I do weddings, I sometimes share during the brief homily part as we look at the Scripture is, is a reminder that, that love is a precious gift. We can't make someone love us. It's a gift that someone chooses to offer to someone else. God chooses to love us. We didn't earn it. It's a gift. And agape love, it's sacrificial. It's, it's a love that, that places the other... Above the self. That's the word that, that John uses throughout. And, and then he shares with us in, in 1 John 4, verse 9, and God reveals His love to us in this way, that, that God sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In other words, God's love, this agape kind of love, is not just some emotional sentiment that God shares. Just want you to know, love you. But rather, it's love that has action to it. I have an easy definition for grace. For me, the definition of grace is simply God's love in action. It's love that loves enough to actually do something. It is John who tells us in John 3.16 that Jesus said that, that God so loved, so agape the world that He did something about it. He intervened. He took action. His love had hands and feet attached to it. He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever would believe in Him would never perish but have everlasting life. We celebrate that God's love in our lives has made such a difference. Then the question becomes, how do we respond to that? What do we do? Who is God calling us to be as a result of this? And we're called by God to be 
the church. We're called to be the body of Christ, as Paul says. The physical presence of Jesus Christ in our community, in our world, as our mission statement says. We're called to be Christ's representatives in this world, to, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the people that take action, God's action, God's grace, in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. In other words, who in our community and in our world looks to the church, us, the body of Christ, and says, what a difference you've made in my life in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. What difference are we making? So John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, he says, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another, agape. I love the way John puts that too. This is not new. It should not be shocking to you. It's the message you've heard from the very beginning. We've been consistent. You're called to love each other. To love one another. But it's that same Greek word, agape. You're called to love each other unconditionally. You're called to love each other as a gift. And you're called to love each other sacrificially. And it's, it's not to be some spiritual sentiment that we the church get together and go, we just love the world. But it's to be a genuine part of our being and our essence and our identity as the representatives of Jesus Christ in our world today. We love God and we love because He first loved us. So 1 John 3.16, John says, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. The good news for us is, odds are, in the United States of America, because we are blessed and others have placed their lives on the line that we might have the freedoms we have today, odds are you're not going to have to put your life on the line for somebody else. So we can consent to that pretty well. I, I agree with that, knowing that I'll probably never have to do it. So John wants to make sure we don't get off quite that easily. For he follows up in verse 17 and says, How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? In other words, the question is not will we lay down our lives for one another. The question is, will we even help one another? Will we be there for one another? Will we serve as Christ's representatives in this world? Verse 18, he goes on to say, Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and in action. I mean, God didn't simply say, I loved you, but God acted. And God is calling on the church not to simply say, I love you, but to act and to do something. Now, there's a, the phrase that actions speak what? Louder than words. That's exactly what John is saying to us here is, is that for the church to be genuine as the people of God, our actions will reveal what's in our hearts and our actions will reveal what's going on in our lives and in our faith. There are all kinds of other phrases you've heard like talk is cheap. And put your money where your mouth is. And practice what you preach. I mean, you know these things. And that's what God is calling for the church. His Christ's love for us was agape. Unconditional, unmerited, sacrificial. And God is calling on His church to love the world 
in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ with a love that is unconditional, unmerited, and sacrificial. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in John chapter 13, the Gospel of John, verse 34, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. James chapter 1, verse 22, James says, Be doers of the word and not merely hearers. James goes on in chapter 2, verse 15 and says, If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what good is that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this rather pointedly when he says, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? That when we have God talk without God acts, then that's outrageous nonsense. In the Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we are the church, and we are called by God to make a difference in the lives of others in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. I remind us as well that the church is not the building. The church is the people, so this is for us. The children of God, the people of God, we're called to make a difference. We're called to serve on behalf of Christ we're called to share on behalf of Christ. This past Thursday, there was a group of us who took a little field trip. We went and spent a lot of the day going around to some of the various helping agencies that we have in Union County. This coming Thursday, we're going to go to some of the helping agencies that we support in Mecklenburg County. So we went to crisis assistance, to the shelter, to Turning Point, Operation Reach Out, some of those various ministries that we support. We'll be going to Urban Ministries and Crisis Assistance and some of the other ministries in Mecklenburg County, as I shared. And one of the reasons we do that is, is so that we, as a church, as we look at partnering in these ministries, we want to be able to see, keep the relationships going, but to be able to see when, when we share in ministry together and when we, as, as stewards of, of the gifts that God's people have given through the church on behalf of Christ, we want to make sure that you're making a difference. So we talk about what are some of the differences that you're making? Who are the people that you're serving? What is it like? You know, what are the needs? And what are the opportunities for us to be able to serve? You'd be surprised the difference that you may make in the lives of so many people. On Friday, I received a call from someone who was desperate for help. They had just gone through a, a significant divorce over the last several months. The spouse, the ex-spouse, was not wanting to really provide resources for this young lady and for her children. We started having communication with Crisis Assistance Ministries, and they do a lot of the background checks for us and to verify the stories and to verify what's being told and to make sure that, that this is not somebody that's playing the system, but rather somebody that genuinely needs help and the story checked out. This person also had a new job that starts tomorrow. But the problem is, is because they couldn't get the resources from their spouse, 
they were about to be evicted from the apartment that they were living in, they and their child were about to be placed on the street. But if they could just get a week or two, then that first check would come in and this job, which was verified, would provide the income to be able for this family to be able to survive and to be able to do well. They just, they just needed just a little help to bridge the gap. Crisis Assistance Ministry called me back and said, all right, here's where we are. We verified the story and, 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 and this person is able to come up with this. We verified that. If the church could just help them with just this, this amount, this small amount, we can keep this family from becoming homeless this weekend. And in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, you did. In the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, you ministered to this family. We support so many various ministries that we partner with, and I received a call as well this weekend from one of our own members who was sharing with me, I just want you to keep us in your prayers. I said, what's going on? He goes, I just got a call. My father is dying. I'm en route to get there as fast as I can go. I am trying to get there before he dies. I just want one last opportunity to be able to say goodbye. He goes, I know that you know what I'm going through because you just went through it and I just really wanted to know that you were praying for us. Here are my prayers. I received a call back later that said that they were able to make it there and that hospice was surrounding the family. And thanked God for hospice. You know, through our church, we support hospice of both Union County and Mecklenburg County and most every family at some point has been touched by this amazing ministry. My family was just two months ago. And it is amazing to see people that are called by God to come around someone and make their final days the days of, of peace and, and, and hopefully an opportunity to be with, among their family with as little pain as possible. And, and this person was thanking God that hospice was now around their dad. And you helped make that happen. Because we are called by God in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ to serve and to share. And because you shared, this family had the care that they needed around them. I love the fact that this church will make about a thousand sandwiches once a month on a Saturday. And one of the reasons I love that, and that doesn't count what the scouts and other groups in the church do as well, but one of the things I love about that ministry of the sandwich making is because even the little kids can help out with sandwiches because they can drop mayonnaise and mustard in a bag and they can participate. I, I will confess to you, I'm, I, I get up early on Sunday mornings around 4.30 and I don't eat breakfast. Now I'll eat one of those little trail mix bars or something like that, just, just one, but I can't eat much on Sunday morning. I'm just the thought of standing before you people makes me nauseous sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I get really nervous on Sunday mornings, I tell you the truth. And I was, I was told, though, by a colleague early in my ministry that if you ever get in the pulpit and you're not nervous, that's the time you need to get out in a hurry. Because the moment we can say, here's a word from God for the people of God, and that not send a shiver over you, then, then it's time to step down. So I don't eat much, so I, you know, around 
I mean, we'll be done before then, but that's about the time I leave. <laughs> around 12.30, Nancy and I will have our regular weekly conversation on Sundays around 12.30, because around 12.30, it's going to hit me, you're hungry. And we're going to start asking, what would you like for lunch? Where do you want to go? You know, the very fact that we ask that question shows how blessed we are. The very fact that I have an option shows me how blessed I am. The very fact that I can choose, do I want to eat this or this, rather than asking, will I even eat? Shows how blessed. And I'm amazed how many children in our own communities are hungry. In our own communities. Sometimes we think that, that poverty is, is something that's in another section of town. No, 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 no. In our own schools. We have kids that are hungry today. It's absolutely amazing. So when I realized that someone woke up this morning and they were chilled because of how cold it got last night, and you know, cardboard only insulates so much. And they're going to make their way to a shelter to get a sandwich that someone else made for them. And they're going to, they're going to receive it with gratitude and thank God that they have food now in their hands to place in their stomachs. I realize how blessed I am. Most of us, we, we don't get up in the morning asking, will we eat today? We're actually spending a lot of our time trying to figure out how not to eat too much. That is a first world problem because we are so blessed. So I'm grateful that we can be part of making sure that others are eating today. And we go into the community shelter and you know we, we were looking at the kitchen and the tables where people will gather together today to eat three different meals throughout the day. And, and there, there will be volunteers who are there serving and many times Many of you go and provide. There's a night that our church provides the meal. And, and, and so, you know, there's, there's a time that y'all are the ones there putting the food on the plate and handing it to the people. And for those of you who can't go, you make sure that the food is able to be purchased so that the people can eat. I remember the first time I went to a homeless shelter, I was nervous as I could be. And I had all these preconceived ideas of what that was going to be like and what the people were going to be like. And I couldn't have been more wrong they're just people, just people like us. Some of them had a curveball thrown at them that they just couldn't seem to recover from. Some of them have family dynamics that doesn't give them an opportunity to go be around people that love them. Some of them have just a little bit of a mental illness or something that goes on to keep them from being able to hold down the jobs and things that we hold down, and so they're without but they're still God's kids. They're God's children that God so loved as much as he loved us. I thank God I can be a part of providing. We have room in the inn, which we, we are blessed in this church that we have the Hemby House. It's the White House right up here at the traffic circle that sits near the corner. It has the word Hemby House in front of it with the church's logo. We we're blessed that we have that space. We use it for small groups, for Bible studies, for meetings, for other things. But in the wintertime... It becomes a shelter in a program called Room in the Inn. There's a meeting next week about that if you're interested. And our vans will go up to Urban Ministry. We'll pick up people, bring them back. 
The cots will be set up in the bedrooms. We've been told you have the preferred room in the inn by the people around. Why? Because the shelter looks like a house. Why? Because it was a house. And the bathrooms look like bathrooms and not locker rooms. So they can come and get a shower and get cleaned up and freshened up and they sit at a table that looks like a family table and some of you go over and provide the food on the Friday nights that the people are able to eat. Some of you spend the night because somebody has to be awake while the people are there and some of you provide the breakfast the next morning. But sometimes it's families with their children who rather than being outside are actually in a house. So for one night, there's food on the table, fresh place to get cleaned up, and for one night, they can go because they're safe in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. We started a great ministry that we were sharing with you last week called His Kids, which is a, an amazing ministry of our children's ministry for uh, children with special needs and and one of the questions, though, that was sometimes asked and somebody was sharing with me just this past week that, you know, that, that sometimes what happens in our systems, though, is that our children get taken care of. But what happens when these children become adults, especially when there might be adults that don't have adults who can care for them and provide for them? Well, in our conference, and our conference actually goes from uh, the conference line is between Greensboro and Burlington, right there on the Alamance County line over to Tennessee line. So just in, in this western part of North Carolina, we have 24 group homes for people with special needs. We have nine apartments, and we have four programs that are day programs where families that, that have an adult with special needs can can spend time with others and be loved and cared for while the family is, is making the living and providing for their family and then they can be picked up and, and taken back home. Ah, oh, thank God that we can be a part of providing for that. I have members in my family that are special needs and it's nice to know that somebody values them and loves them in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. We went to Turning Point the other day. That's a ministry that absolutely amazes me. It's just right down the road. We, we think sometimes this is for somewhere else, but it's just right down the road. Turning Point is a ministry for those who are victims of domestic violence. In other words, their homes, a place that most of us consider to be our safe place, was anything but safe for them. Some of them in the middle of the night had to try to sneak out the door Sneak out when an abusive partner or spouse went to sleep, so we got to go quiet. Or some of them, about the time that abusive person is going to work, just for a moment before they catch on, we've got to go, which means they often leave with just the clothes on their back many times or with your pajamas. And they go to this place where that just, as soon as they get in the door, they will know we're safe. We're safe. When I was there the other day, you could see where new brick had been added onto the playground, and they said, yeah, we had to raise the level of the walls because some of the abusers started trying to look over to see if their kids were in there, so we had to raise the walls. Isn't that amazing? It's hard to believe. And what's interesting is, 
The people of domestic violence, they come from gated communities and non-gated communities. It's everywhere. As a matter of fact, at our 815 service this morning, there was a deputy sheriff who shared with me that really hit home because I can't tell you the number of times I've put families in my car and took them there. But for a moment, they're safe. For a while. There's a ministry connected with that where they actually take the children who have been victims of sexual assault and abuse and they have to go examine these kids to make sure they're okay and to find out what really happened. When the children arrive, they're able to go pick out a blanket. Some of you make those blankets. But the children are able to go pick out a blanket that they will cover themselves while the doctor examines them to make sure they're okay after the cruelty that has been afflicted upon them. They get to pick up a teddy bear or some other stuffed animal that they will also get to keep. So they get to keep their blanket and they get to keep the stuffed animal because they get to have something they can embrace. That's not somewhere else. It's just right down the road because it's everywhere. But we're a part of that ministry. We make sure they're okay. That in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, we will do everything we can do to make sure these children and these victims of violence are protected and safe. I, I could go on and on, but they put a clock up where I can see it. We teach Bible studies in prisons. We then meet with prisoners when they get out to try to help them get in a situation where they won't turn around and go right back into the system. We provide immediate relief when people have a crisis, like UMCOR. Some of us have been trained just recently to be early responders, and others are being trained in the next few weeks. It's interesting as well in this church that we decided to start a new campus in Monroe. I find it interesting as one of my critiques against my own denomination and other churches as well, so I'll go ahead and confess that too, even though I know this will go online and I might get in trouble. But we have a tendency to establish new churches in affluent communities. That just bugs me, I'll be honest with you, because I think the unchurched and poor communities deserve a church as well. It's just, I find it interesting how some only start churches in affluent areas. So we started a campus in a community that we knew that if we filled that church up and every one of them tithe, it would never break even. Because it's a different socioeconomic situation than the situation we find ourselves in. This morning they worship God in English and in Spanish. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's a group of volunteers that get together to teach homework help. Why? Because these parents are bright parents. They're intellectual parents. They're educated parents. They're smart parents. They just don't speak English very well. Try to help your children with homework when the book is in a different language than the one you know. When my son, our son, was taking Russian, I will just confess to you, I was of no help whatsoever. So imagine how some of these parents feel when their kids come home with homework 
And it's not that they're not intelligent enough to understand the concepts. It's that the language is a problem. So some of you go sit down at tables with them and you help these kids with their homework so that they can receive the education that they need to break a cycle and be the kind of people that God has created them to be reaching their full potential. And some of you are thinking, well, I can't be there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I wish I could help with that. Well, then provide the resources. You can provide the room and the snacks and the other elements of love and grace that these people need. Oh, there are just so many things that I could share, but John just says, little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and in action. So I, I want to invite you to consider two things. One is, how will you serve as the body of Christ? I started to put down, I actually typed it down when I started and I changed it because I started to go, will you serve as the body of Christ? And I want to take that away because it's really not an option. We're called to do it. We're called to be the church. We're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be the physical presence of Christ. We're called to love with action. So how will we love and serve on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And then the second thing is, is how will we make our tithes and offerings an offering to our God in love and grace? Now, one of the things that I hear sometimes from the leadership of our church is that I don't talk about stewardship near enough or finances near enough. And, and there's a couple reasons for that. It's not because I'm afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it. And, and, and you can relax because I know what time it is, so we're not going far. But what I will tell you is this, is, is that I think there's a difference in fundraising and stewardship. Fundraising is when we go, we're going to build this building and, and here's the goal and here's the thermometer and here's where we are and here's the difference and can you help us get there? That's fundraising. Stewardship is about me being grateful to God, being so incredibly grateful to God for the blessings that I have received that I use, then use those to love others in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ and our tithes and our offerings. I, Nancy and I will share with you, I mean, we'll share honestly and openly that, that we do tithe. And, and one of the reasons that we do that is, it, there's several reasons. One is we are so blessed. We're blessed by God. My kids have always had food on their table, clothes on their backs, shoes on their feet, and shelter over their head. It may not have been the designer clothes they wanted, but they had clothes. It may not have always been what they wanted to eat, but they were able to eat. And you want to know how blessed my kids have been? They both had braces. Now the point is, the very fact that that was an option was a blessing. Because not only did they have teeth, they were straightened. So how can I not be grateful to God for the blessings that we have received? I remember one time when they were pushing me and Nancy pretty hard for jet skis, which was about to drive me nuts. And it actually created a moment of anger when I looked at them and said, smile. And they smiled. And the glimmer off the metal was so obvious. And I said, you have a jet ski and a trailer in your mouth.
but the fact that they had it meant I am blessed. So how can I not want to bless other children in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ when my kids were blessed enough to have everything that they needed growing up? So I, I, I invite you. I mean, I, I tithe as well because I think it's called hypocrisy not to practice what I preach. So I share with our Staff Parish Relations Committee, this is what our pledge is for the next year, our financial commitment, our our estimate of giving, and then I go, and here's my credit score. I just want the church to know I try to be a good steward. I'll try to lead by example. But that way I can call on you with a straight face. So I invite you. I invite you to consider the difference that you're going to make because every one of us here are blessed. We're about to be making decisions. Where are we going to eat? Very few of us are going to ask, will we eat? So in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, and because we love God with all of our heart and we love our neighbor, we will also try to make sure that fewer people have to ask, will we eat? Who looks at us and says, I thank God for you for what a difference you have made in my life. In the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ.